Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Like us there. Uh, subscribe to the show. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating and we will read your review on the air and give you a 4k blu-ray uh that we sean's been receiving from various studios over the last year Uh, we will read your review on the air as well uh we record live on monday nights usually on youtube uh check our show notes for the link there and be sure to subscribe to get notified when we go live uh, we also notif- make that. Uh, we also let you know on our social media pages as well. patreoncom slash pod is the best way to help support the podcast. Again, uh, link in the show notes, and then our T Public page also a link in our show notes. Or go to ihatecritics.net and click on the merch link up in the right hand corner. All right, we have a lot of different things to get to, but a kind of a short show, more or less. Let's just start with news. Uh, you want to take it from here? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Avatar, they dropped the trailer for the for, for the next Avatar movie today, which a lot of people are excited about. Uh, I think people realize that I'm not excited about that because I did, I'm not an Avatar fan. I don't think you're an Avatar fan. Uh, I didn't really think there were any Avatar fans, but apparently there are a lot of them out there. Uh, but it's called The Way of the Water, uh, and it's another, you know, special effects spectacle from a guy who just doesn't like actors apparently i don't know i he just wants to play with his toys he wants to play with his technological toys and i'm sorry but you know give me a cronenberger give me a cronenberg movie every time give me you know everything everywhere all the time there's room in the world for avatar i get it but i'm just not going to be excited uh just because i want a human story i want to you know i want I, i just want to be moved by humanity and i'm not particularly moved by his version of and uh, Native Americans in space. Like I just, I just have this terrible feeling it's going to be just really offensively like taking, taking the tropes that we've had of like Native Americans in the '90s about how they're all, how every Native American is, you know, spiritual and all, and just going to transfer that. But they're aliens, so we can't call them out on it. Uh, and I'm going to call my shot right now on this. I'm going to say that Jake Sully dies. I'm going to say that right now because I think I think Sam Worthington's probably not a big enough star them to keep him on in the movie so they're gonna kill him off well he's not a big enough star because he's been making this next seven <laughs> over the last 15 years has not had has a chance to do anything else <laughs> <laughs> and poor zoe saldana has been in makeup and everything she's done since then so yeah. mm-hmm. uh i don't know i i could give two shits about avatar and the way movies are going in terms of blockbusters makes me want to see it even less. You know, it's already hard. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to later on with the movie that came out this week. It's already hard to keep for me to even get to the theater anymore to see something like what came out this week, let alone mm-hmm. something that uh, anymore. I don't want any more franchises. I don't want any more remakes. I don't, and I think we got a lot of that coming up over the next few months, probably the next few it years. Feels that way. Uh, and next week, nothing but remake. And I, I, I want everything, everywhere, all at all at once. I, I want that. Even the Northmen. All of a sudden, as much as mm-hmm. I was kind of burnt out when I saw that, uh, is getting a new life in my mind. <laughs> you know, just due to the fact that there's mm-hmm. nothing out there to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you mentioned Cronenberg. He had a trailer drop too that was just flat out uh, phenomenal. We watched it on YouTube. Uh, Crimes of the Future is that what it was? Yeah, Crimes of the Future. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know what this movie is. I'm fascinated as hell. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. tons of body horror in the trailer alone. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see this, and I'm sure I won't get to see it in theaters. <laughs> mm. Or do you think it'll I, get a wide release? It may, you know, if like if it does well, like uh, 
you know, it can't like maybe it wins can be uh, if that's possible. I don't know if it's compete it's in competition or not, but uh, you know, then it could maybe. Uh, you know, American movies rarely win at Cannes, so that would be you know something to give it a, a lift. But I've also seen like a Ju- June or July release date that could indicate maybe it'll go to theaters. Uh, but it does have, you know, it does have Kristen Stewart. So she's becoming more and more of a bankable star. Um, you know, Viggo Mortensen's kind of past his prime as a bankable star, but he's still relatively well known. Um, yeah, there's a chance he could get to theaters. Let's uh, let's be optimistic in this day and age. It's a little. It seems like it might be there might be less of a barrier for for a movie like this. Um, so let's be hopeful about it. Um, yeah, it's an awesome trailer. It's so good. I don't like uh, yeah like yeah. I don't know what what it's about. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Viggo Mortensen's character is hiding underneath that giant cloak that he's wearing. But I want to know <laughs> what the hell is he growing on himself or whatever that is. I don't know. I'm excited though. Uh, I'm excited for all of that. It, it it definitely has a lot of Videodrome vibe. Definitely has a lot of the uh, Brood vibe. Like it's a lot of that. And of course, it gives us another opportunity. To uh, just choose another Cronenberg movie to watch as a classic, so that's that just makes it even better. Well, wasn't it you that told me that this movie makes Crash look like a, the NC seventeen movie Crash <laughs> look like a walk <laughs> in the park compared to this thing? Or, or was that? I don't know if I was it was me that said that, but yeah, I think I've heard somebody say something like that. Yeah, so I mean, we got a red band trailer of it right now. Oh yeah, and it's and. Only from the subject matter, like there's really nothing in it that's red band other than the subject at which I don't know what it is, but it's so the subject matter. There's so much body horror just in the premise <laughs> that you have mm-hmm. to have a red band trailer just to even watch it. So that alone is fascinating. I, I can't wait for that week whenever it comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely excited about that movie. And, and you know, as much as uh, as much as we're inundated with like you know, Dr. Strange this week and Firestarter next week. We do have men coming up very soon from Alex Garland. So yeah, there are things to look forward to. Yeah. I see men out there is limited. I'm hoping that, you know, like next week, there's not a whole lot going on. Maybe they'll let it come with Firestarter. I don't know. I doubt it. I think it's a, I think it's a week later that it goes wide. So I think oh, a week I, after. Oh, perfect. Then that I could believe be a, so. I'm not, I mean, the advertising push for it is pretty big right now. Well, the only thing they're going after that week is Downton Abbey, so I think that's the ideal uh, week to... But, I mean, if you're going to release mm-hmm. something, release it that week. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think we might have a special surprise that week, because uh, something turns 30. That oh. I'll, I'll tell you what turns 30. You guess what the surprise is. <laughs> Alien 3 turns 30. <laughs> Oh my God! Somebody is the surprise Josh? <laughs> Josh, <might come> back. <laughs> yay, Josh! Hopefully, I mean, until he's here, he hasn't come back. But uh, to have an A twenty four movie land the same week as Josh coming back would be pretty awesome, and that would be that would be great. Men looks phenomenal. Another movie mm-hmm. that I think I know what the premise is, but it's still confusing enough that I'm just kind of like I can't wait to see this. Uh, I couldn't resist uh, like reading a couple of reviews that were. You know, they say it's polarizing, which again is just absolutely what I want to hear. <laughs> I, which you saying that makes me feel like I I got what it's going for at least on a simple level. I'm sure there's way mm-hmm. more deep based on who the director is, uh, but I can't wait. Were there other news items you wanted to go over before we went? Uh, let's see. Oh yes, yes. I wanted to mention that. Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese is doing a very interesting thing where he uh, is now, I don't know if he's doing this weekly or just how often he's going to be doing this, but he's hosting his very own like free streaming movie. Uh, it, it's really interesting. So it's called, uh, it is called, let's see, tonight they showed uh, the Film Foundation Restoration Screening Room is what they're calling it. And uh, tonight he showed the Powell Pressburger movie, I Know Where I'm Going. Uh, this is a 1945 film about a woman who is, tra- who is traveling to Ireland, uh, to, an out- to an island off of Ireland, where she's supposed to marry a much older, very rich man. And uh, 
it's a it's a classic. Uh, it's a classic film, and Michael Powell and uh, and uh, Mr. Pressburger, uh, Emmerich Pressburger, were a directing team uh, back in the day, and they directed a number of different movies that Martin Scorsese absolutely loves. And this one stars Wendy Hiller and Roger Livesay, not people who are very well known, but uh, this is a wonderful film. Uh, the the essential story is just a basic love story. She arrives in this uh, Irish village. She's got to get across this uh, very dangerous lock, this very dangerous body of water to get to the castle where she's supposed to marry this older man. Obviously, she's stuck there. She gets stuck with this uh, soldier who she obviously begins to fall in love with. They have kind of an adventure trying to get to the island, but uh, uh, you have to see it for yourself. It's a wonderful film, though, and I watched that today, and I believe Martin Scorsese is going to be doing this on a regular basis. Uh, he may, I think he has a Fellini movie coming up as well that's going to be part of this, and I mean, if you just love classic film, you're going to want to be part of this. The film restoration screening room uh, through Delphi Marketing is how I found out about it. Uh, everybody needs to look into this just to see what Martin Scorsese is doing. And, uh, and he's, like I said, he hosted this tonight. So he was like, he came on before the movie and talked about Powell and Pressburger and his love for their movies. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. I can't wait till Tarantino does this and we get all somebody's greenhouse movies <laughs> <laughs> but no this sounds i mean i i would definitely be interested in something like that especially if he's you know there presenting it that's pretty awesome and it's free that's the thing that's it's free better. he's a it's basically just scorsese trying to get people to watch these older movies that you know he and uh, his people have been working on like they did full restoration of this film to to make it uh, presentable again, and it looks gorgeous. It's trying to get people to watch cinema instead of Marvel yeah, movies. Exactly. <laughs> He's going to win that uh, argument with me. <laughs> yeah. Before we get there, though, I don't have yeah. a picture ready, but uh, do you want to start with happening? Not the happening, sure, uh, but happening. Not the happening. No, this has nothing to do with M. Night. Uh, Happening is a movie from that is set, it's from France and it's set in the early 1970s. Uh, a woman named Anne is going to college and she finds out that she's gotten pregnant. Uh, she it was obviously unplanned. This is not something she wants. She's got a, a career track ahead of her. She's trying to you know get through college to become a professor. So she's uh, definitely not happy about this situation. It turns out, in case you didn't know this, France did not legalize abortion until 1975, actually after we did. Uh, so this is set prior to that. And in France at the time, it, you couldn't even talk about abortion. If you talked about it, you could be in trouble. So she's got to figure out a way to manage this system by tr trying to find somebody who'd be willing to help her. And obviously that's leading her down a very dangerous path to a point where she's going to end up very much risking her life to try and get rid of this child. Uh, it is a, a movie that is very harrowing. It is a, it's very scary. Uh, she's got no support whatsoever. The, the, the boyfriend that she was with uh, is this rich kid who just tells her to handle it and get away from him. Her, she tries to tell her two best friends, but as she tries to tell them, it's criminal to even get them involved. They could become uh, accomplices if they're, if they were to, uh, know about it. Uh, so she, she's basically robbed of any support that she could get. Uh, her friends abandon her, which she tries to tell them what's happening. Uh, she's just on her own. And uh, it goes from there. You have to see for yourself. But it is, um, if, it's not a movie that was intended to be so timely, but I don't think anybody saw coming what came uh, last week. Uh, and it makes this movie just so relevant and so timely and so terrifying because. You watch this movie and you see what it was like in France before the before abortion was legalized, and now you know here. Obviously, we're looking at a, a situation like that uh, very soon. Uh, it just it underlines the importance uh, of you know the pro-choice movement and you know why why should have, why this why why it should be legal and available because uh, people are going to do this. We're going to, women are going to die because of this. If, if the Supreme Court continues what they're doing, women will die because of this. I was, yeah, it's, wow. Yeah, that's been, uh, it's definitely been a rough week for that, uh, to say the least. Uh, mm -hmm. 
not that this is a political podcast, but uh, no, no, but it's still why is that I think politics? everybody why is that politics? by now. Why is that politics? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just stupid. Uh, and it's really, no, but you listen to this show, you know where we stand already. Right. So you shouldn't be surprised to hear me say stuff like this. Yeah, I, I just all I can do is I, I don't even know what I can it, It's you just hope and pray to the invisible, a non existent person in the sky that this isn't real <laughs> and that, uh, yeah, it doesn't or something happens where this doesn't happen. Uh, Amen to that. But uh, this movie is incredible. It's a must see. I think people should, if you're kind of on on the fence, maybe about uh, where you stand in this issue, watch this movie. It'll it'll give you a sense of what what we're staring down the barrel of, uh, and uh, not good. Definitely not good. Is it available right now everywhere? I'm not sure if it's available everywhere. It may be a couple weeks out. It's from IFC, so check out uh, IFC's website to see. Exactly. I believe they went with a limited release this weekend and may go with a, a VOD release in a couple of weeks. All right. I'm definitely marking that one to check out because that has been obviously a topic of interest for a lot of people and myself included. Uh, it's always nice to have good argument points. Not that they're really that hard to come by, but. No, this one's. Uh... <sighs> group of people pushing their religion on everybody else yeah just fucking horrible all right let's see here let's move on to the movie we all came here to see (laughs) uh first let me get the pictures ready my kid did an update to my computer so everything's acting weird For the YouTube people at home and the people listening are just like, just shut up and get to the movie podcast. <laughs> uh, where did you go? This doesn't look like it's it. Oh, it is. Maybe. <coughs> All right. Can you see? No. Oh. Huh. Sharing is paused. Resume sharing. Maybe. Stop share. <laughs> Resume. How about now? Yeah, I can see something. All right. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, yeah, stars Benedict Cumberbatch in the role of Doctor Strange for the fourth or fifth time this is his second solo film and basically the 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 idea here is that uh, he's dealing something somewhat with the consequences of what he did in spider-man where he essentially broke over the multiverse uh the uh he basically the movie opens with a character named america chavez she's running through this very strange uh, universe that is like a junction point for the multiverse uh, she's a character who can move through the multiverse. That's her power that a uh, few other, if anybody else has. Uh, and she's with a version of Doctor Strange. And we watch that version of Doctor Strange get killed. And she escapes into the Marvel Universe that we're familiar with. There she's chased down by a, a giant monster, uh, which catches the attention of our Doctor Strange in our universe, who goes chasing after it and uh, destroys it and saves her and starts to hear her story about the multiverse. And he sets out, obviously, then to protect her from whoever it is that's coming after her. He seeks out uh, the Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, to help protect this girl. But the Scarlet Witch has a secret that uh, is the key to the rest of the plot. I don't know if I want to go into spoilers or not. I hate this movie. I think it's awful. I really... I. Awful is a, a strong word, I guess. I just hated the choices that they made. The choices that they made, for one thing, they take one character who is, I, I thought anyway, was quite beloved and treat them just horribly. They take characters that they introduce here, and granted, these are multiverse versions of these characters, so they're not the our universe version of these characters, but they treat them like chumps. They just have them just totally destroyed like nothing like it's the these cameos are the worst they make all these characters look like fools 
uh, if you were looking forward to the cameos, don't, I mean, just don't bother looking forward to it because it's, it's terrible. Um, just the choices that they make here. I am so baffled by the idea that Dr. Strange is the one who's going to be indignant about people moving through the multiverse. You're the one who screwed up, screwed this all up so you can help a college kid get into college. So you can help a kid get into college. And now suddenly we've got to take him seriously as the guardian of the multiverse. Are you kidding me? You're the one who screwed this up. Suddenly you care, <laughs> but that's, a, that's fine. That's a, that's a Spider-Man problem that I'm bringing to this movie. Uh, I just, the choices that they make in this movie are just so irritating to me. They, they don't even understand how their own multiverse works. He's like in another universe with America. She takes him to this other universe and they run into the character played by Chuatel Ejiofor, who became kind of a potential villain uh, at the end of the first Doctor Strange, when he and Doctor Strange essentially stopped being friends. And Doctor Strange is in this new universe, and he just assumes that Chuatel Ejiofor's character, who's now in charge of the uh, Sanctum in this version, uh, is going to be his villain. And like, he's going to hate him, and they're going to be at odds. And it's like, why would you assume that? You're in an entirely different universe. He's an entirely different person who came about with an entirely different Doctor Strange. So why are you why are you getting ready to fight him? You don't even know that he's angry at you, and and America, who jumps from multiverse to multiverse, is having the same thought. Uh, and then later on in the movie, they do this again, where again they don't understand their own multiverse. Doctor Strange is talking to another Doctor Strange in a different universe, and this Doctor Strange asks him to prove who he is. So he says he has a sister that he's never talked about before, named Donna, who died when they were children. She fell in some ice and drowned and he couldn't save her and it's kind of plagued him his entire life they're introducing this now after five times he's played this character never mind not important but that's that's enough proof for this other dr strange to say oh yes you are me you are dr strange from another universe it's like so is donna just dead in every universe like <laughs> how does your multiverse work why isn't there a universe where donna became dr strange and you died obviously there's got to be one of, of the multi multi multiverse there has to be one right so dumb, so dumb, and so many just dumb choices that that they make for the convenience of the story. Like the main villain in this to be made to look a complete fool throughout, because the main villain keeps making the dumbest possible choices. When they bring America to our universe, when they when they finally cornered her in our universe, instead of just going to the place to get the girl, which is he, this, the villain just wants to get their hands on America so they can go to another universe. They send a monster to go get her. And just go, go do it yourself. I mean, if I told you who the villain of this movie was, Bob, you <laughs> it, would, it, it would basically say, you just look at that and go, well, why don't they just go do it themselves? Then it should be very easy. On top of which, they get a second opportunity to do it. And instead of doing that, they give a villain speech and tell what the plot is. And it's like, how are people letting this slide that this is so lazy? I mean, and the ma this main villain, who's apparently so important to this movie, is treated so poorly on top of being a character that I think people actually love. So it really bugs me that people are okay with this character being treated this way. Is the main villain front and center on the poster? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah i mean i've read enough that i think i mean yeah yeah those who are gonna see it are gonna see it but yeah most people have already seen it who are gonna see it right um i i'm dancing around it to be nice i guess i don't know yeah that's fair i mean i just i'm so angry at this movie there are so many things wrong with this movie it's got it's got the worst trope one of the worst tropes in in modern movies which is the bury your gaze trope. Uh, have you heard about this? This is a movie. This is essentially where, where a big time blockbuster movie will have a token, you know, gay couple, but that gay couple can't be front and center. And most of the, oftentimes they will die in some way to make sure that, Hey, we're here and then we're gone. So we don't have to deal with you in the, in the rest of the plot. So America has two moms and in her universe and whatever her home universe was. And when her powers kick in, she accidentally sends her two moms to another multiverse, to another universe. Now, these are two, two actresses who nobody knows. They're two unknown actresses who don't have any lines. And the movie does try to argue that, well, maybe they're still out there. Maybe they lived. Maybe they're in the universe where you can go and find them. 
But by the end of the movie, America is not looking for her moms. And I guarantee you there is no future Marvel movie where we're going to follow America Chavez as she goes looking for her moms because no one's going to recognize these two actors if they see them. So this is barrier gaze. I'm sorry, it is. It's this. These two characters are dead, essentially, because no one's going to go looking for them. And it just bugs me that people are just letting all this stuff slide about this, especially the way they treat the main villain, which is just horrible. It's just awful. The way this character gets done dirty in this movie, it makes me angry. And that there are 81% of critics who watch this and are just letting all these plot holes go baffles me. Well, and that's the problem that I foresee with multiverse movies is there's a level of laziness and storyteller storytelling that you're allowed to get away with, but you know, I don't want to let him get away with it. It certainly sounds like you don't want to let him get away with it. You know, you got arguably a great director and Sam Raimi running this thing. Uh, I expect more than, you know, something simple, something hiding behind a multiverse to, make up for any lack of good story that you have going on. Uh, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's what they're doing here. They're they're thinking about, you know, they're getting people to the theater for the whole cameo bullshit. Uh, and and uh, the fact that it's a Marvel movie, uh, you're riding on the coattails of Spider-Man being actually pretty fun and good. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it's so... It's just disappointing, and I and I just see the further they go down this multiverse hole, the less and less interested I. I mean, I'm already not interested interested to the point where I didn't go see it. I have no interest in seeing it. I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. rooting against it. I want it to be good. I, I want people to enjoy right. these movies. Uh, but it, but I'm going to hold it to a different standard. And the fact that everything, everywhere, all at once exists. Is not, I don't expect our movie to be that, but mm-hmm. it, it, it we're like three multiverse movies in, and it probably knocked it out of the park as far as you could knock it out of the park. So mm-hmm. they they may have ruined them for me forever. You know, I I don't really know. I don't really need to <laughs> anymore. I just feel like it's a gonna be used as a crutch to negotiate contracts with actors. Bring them in and out, where oh, you can well, kill them off. Oh, we'll bring them here over there, and and it's just going to get confusing. And just like you said, this five movies in, we find out he has a dead sister that apparently is dead in every universe. <laughs> apparently, just, you know, you just said something though that that kind of bugs me now and creates yet another plot hole because the whole thing about that that they put together in this in this version of the multiverse is that, that America is the only one who can travel between universes well no because spider-man and spider-man and spider-man's villains all traveled through the multiverse apparently they all came into our universe so no America's not the only one doctor strange can break open the multiverse if he wants to he's done it so how can you sit there and tell me that America is the only one who can do it? So why doesn't the main villain just go to Dr. Strange and say, hey, I noticed you were able to open the multiverse. Could you open it again to let me go through? Plot hole. Tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> because plot holes don't exist in the multiverse. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's going to be a convenience that ruins these movies or that ruins the bad ones going forward is that they use the multiverse as a crutch to say well no because i mean even in your review you had to mention even you you said out loud here uh i understand it's a multiverse they're they're hiding behind that and it's Mm -hmm. and to me that's bullshit it's lazy filmmaking uh from a studio who hasn't been all that lazy uh Mm -hmm. but i think they're working themselves into a corner and the multiverse basically gets rid of corners (laughs) which then at some point you would think the audience would get sick of it so I don't know how that's going to mm-hmm. work itself out. Is there a good thing about this movie? Um, the zombie Doctor Strange that we do see, there's another. There's a version of Doctor Strange that is a zombie. And that's pretty cool. It's a good visual. It, it works. But that leads, that zombie character leads to one of the worst moments 
in any movie I've seen in a very long time. So I'm not, again, I'm avoiding saying who the villain is. The villain is a witch. That's all I'll say, but the, I'm not going to say what witch. Or what color. <laughs> Damn it, Bob. <laughs> so America is uh, finally, Doctor Strange, first of all, the message of this movie, by the way, the moral of the story is believe in yourself. That's it. Believe in yourself. So he convinces America to believe in herself that she can control her powers of the holding the multiverse. So she does that. She does this little thing and she shows herself that she can control it. She can control her powers. And Dr. Strange looks at her and says, now go kick that witch's ass. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. That's the, what you're going to say right now. Screw you. <laughs> Shouldn't it be that she controls her powers now? And, and even, the, even the payoff is she opens up a hole into another universe to show this person what they want and why it's a bad thing to want, which is all she had to do. But no, no, she's got to walk over and start punching her. They have to have a punch fight first. That's another thing I hate about this dumb movie is that you've got magic in this movie. And the magic that they use here, they use to turn magic into arrows and missiles like can't you think of anything better to do with magic than to turn them into guns or use them for harder punching come on well you would think you'd be able it's to magic for god's sake with magic you'd be able to if you are going to use it for violence you'd be able to bypass the weapon part of it because the magic is the weapon <laughs> think so but apparently we're so limited such a limited imagination that that uh, that basically these are these are people who learn magic they're they're fucking ninjas <laughs> they're punching each other with magic uh, on a completely unrelated note to this and bad guy person fight i heard elizabeth olsen's really good in it she is great in this, and that's really the that's really so interesting because she's so much better than the material that they've given her to work with. And she damn near there's a scene near the end where she damn near makes this thing work in a way that I didn't think it could. It couldn't have saved the movie. There's nothing that could save this from all the problems that I have with it. But she is so amazing. On top of which, she's actually gone on TV recently promoting this one, saying she wants it held to a standard. She wants this to held be held to a standard that they're making films that that do count as, I don't want to say art, but she's like, hold it to that standard. Hold us to a standard that you would hold any other movie to. So that's what I'm doing. I'm holding this movie to the, to a standard of movies. I think, and this is just my theory, I think Sam Raimi has gotten to a point in his life where he's a little bit older and he's looking at a comic book movie now instead of looking at it like he did with Spider-Man or maybe he did look at Spider-Man the same way as a kid's movie. He's just looking at this as a kid's movie. And if that's fine, if this is a kid's movie, cool. I guess that then believe in yourself is a great message and nothing matters. <laughs> nothing at all. Is, I also heard this is pretty dark and somewhat scary for a Marvel movie. Is that not accurate? And sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I mean like those cameo characters die horribly. So yeah, that's kind of a horror element, but I don't know. Cause the main, cause again, the moral of the story is believe in yourself. What? We take two and a half hours to get to the point of believe in yourself. Yet the reason Sam Raimi is making this movie because he doesn't believe in himself. He's not made anything <laughs> original since what dragged me to no. hell. Everything else has mm -hmm. been somewhat of uh, an existing IP. Uh, mm -hmm. And not that dragged me to hell was amazing, but I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was better than some of the shit he's done. Uh I'd love him to go. Not that I he needs him to do another Evil Dead, but you know, go back and do your own thing. Believe in yourself, Sam, and do something <laughs> original again. I don't. I, I think you'll, you'll one. You won't have anybody telling you what to do. Uh, to and two. I mean, not even two. You, complete creative control, telling your own story. You don't got to worry about making a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars, whatever the hell you got to do. Just get a low budget. Do your weird you know do your weird body horror stuff and i don't know it, it, he's gone down this i, I like him i there's some of his movies mm -hmm. are some of my favorite movies uh, yeah but cronenberg's cronenberg's never made a marvel movie he's never made a wizard of oz movie he's never he's always done his own thing and uh the, the two guys that kind of started out similar times uh sam even from a more independent background and 
just taking different routes and uh i'll take a cronenberg movie any day and i like Raimi. amen yeah it's interesting that you mentioned evil dead uh the the stinger at the very 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 end like after credits is an evil dead reference so if you haven't seen evil dead don't bother saying to the end of end of the credits because you're gonna be like what was that about (laughs) so on top of which that's just yeah, it's Bruce Campbell. Uh, he fights his own hand. There you go. That's the post post uh, credit scene is him fighting his hand. Does that have anything so, to do with Marvel at all? No, no. It's just it's it's just an Evil Dead reference. Um, there's a mid credits that is a, that that sets up the next movie, which is a really dumb mid credit scene. Which again, I have to mention that if you don't do your homework before seeing this, you, you, you're going to be just forget it. Don't even bother. You have to watch WandaVision. You have to watch Spider-Man. You have to watch the previous Doctor Strange movie. You have to watch uh, Evil Dead. All of that before you can... And, and I think you'd have to go through some of the comics, too, to understand what we're looking at here, because uh, otherwise, you know, because they introduce a character in the mid credit scene that's just one of the... Just a character I have no idea who they are. I recognize the actors. I know who that actress is, but I'm not, I don't know who that character is. That character has never been introduced before. Oh, by the way, this character can travel through the multiverse too, apparently. So anybody can do it. You just got to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. So Charlie, there's only one character who can do it. Is the mid credit scene that Charlie is Theron? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I've seen her name popping up lately. That's why I'm wondering. Uh yeah, it's just uh I, I don't want to say that was yeah because I wasn't rooting for this to be this way, but it, it certainly seemed like it was going to be, uh, and it's just a bummer. Uh, yeah, and it's just I've liked every for, Marvel movie. I'm pretty sure, like all the Marvel movies, I'm pretty sure I've given all of them a relatively positive review. Yeah, aside think, from maybe one of the Hulk movies, I, I think at worst you're just kind of like it's good. <laughs> You know, yeah. Uh, even the Eternals, and at times, I mean, the, I some, yeah, Eternals was was like probably the least yeah, of my like, favorites. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Thor: The Dark World wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't terrible though. I, I kind of like Thor: The Dark World a little bit. Like I've liked a, a lot, almost all these movies. So to reach this point uh, with this one and just hating it so much is just it's very specific to this movie. Right. Now I feel like I'm going to get a whole bunch of uh, the, the Mad Max fans are coming back now. They're, the Fury Road fans are going to come for me again. I didn't like their pet movie. Uh, now I hate all Marvel movies. That's what somebody said to me the other day. Is, oh, you just hate Marvel. I'm like, what? No. I've got, I've got over a decade of positive Marvel reviews. Give me a break here. I, I'm not. Well, I guess I've liked a lot of the Marvel movies too, but I they have pushed me away and this might be the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else yeah, before we move on? I'm, I'm not sure about black Panther anymore. I'm worried about what they're going to do to black Panther too. And especially without Chadwick Boseman, does it have the same, I don't know. Is Ryan Coogler directing? I don't know I without know. if he's not directing it and, Obviously, Chadwick's gone. That this could be this could be a continuing downslope for Marvel at this point, and I'm a little nervous now. All right, Suicide for Beginners is our next movie. Yeah, Suicide for Beginners is a different kind of bad movie. Uh, this is about a guy who is a stalker, uh, played by Will Daniels, who has uh, kidnapped the uh, girlfriend of his roommate because he wants to be with her, but. Uh, She's with her. She's with his roommate. So he decides that he's going to kill her and make it look like a suicide. But he keeps getting interrupted. Like this pizza guy comes to deliver a pizza, and then the pizza guy becomes really chatty and wants to be his friend. And then the pizza guy's girlfriend shows up, and they both come in the house. And then they see that he's got so this girl tied up in the basement. So he's got to tie them up and put them in the basement. Then her landlord shows up, uh, which is uh, one of the one of the three. One of uh, Rob Zombie's guys said, hey. uh, is the the landlord. Yeah, uh, and so he's got to tie him up and take him hostage. There's a kid who's got to. Then he just eventually just be- breaks down to where this guy is just murdering loads of people in his neighborhood to try and he's it. It's supposed to be kind of like a I don't know like a Looney Tunes horror movie where he's trying to cover up his crime and he keeps having to kill 
one witness after another and after another after another. And that's supposed to be funny, but it never is. Uh, none of these actors are charismatic enough to make this stuff work. The the pacing isn't strong enough to, to make this idea work. Uh, it's just everything about it is just ever so slightly off. Uh, the main character just isn't interesting enough. He's just a, a creep. And I think I needed more than him being just a creep. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell. I don't think obviously he's a he's a murdering set, so he's not supposed to be likable. But then nobody in the movie, even his victims, are not likable. Nobody in the movie is likable. So who am I supposed to grab onto here? The the girlfriend isn't bad, but she's incredibly a, a bland character. She's not get, she's spending most of her time with a gag in her mouth, but she's not doesn't have a gag in her mouth. She doesn't really have much of anything interesting to say other than please let me go. <laughs> It's like she's an actual hostage in this movie, like us in the audience. Uh, it, it's it's uh, just not very good, unfortunately. It's just it's funny movies like this that you would never ever have to see. This is what the world is coming to. That now we have to <laughs> sift through these type of movies to get to, uh, you know. Every but at the same time. I, I think you would agree that you're happy to sift through these if you're going to get some of the gems you have found the last couple. Of I mean, years. I'm telling you, this is this is one of the best movie years of all time so far. I mean, just given with happening and the hatching, like both those two are hatching, uh, both those two movies. You know, just in the last week, I saw those, and then of course, everything everywhere and the Northman. Like, this is one of the best years for movies I've seen in a long time. And, you know, occasionally I'm going to get a movie like this, but next week we're going to talk about a movie called Tank House that I was, you know, isn't a, isn't a world changing great movie, but it's a really fun comedy that I really enjoyed. So we'll talk about that one next week. So, yeah, it's definitely worth uh, watching as many of these movies as I can get my hands on to see uh, what's, you know, what maybe I'm going to find something amazing because I have been finding some amazing stuff. I can't wait for you to see Hatching. It's so good. I can't wait either. Uh, is, is it out yet, or do I have to wait till Friday? I I think it might be Friday, if not Friday, the following Friday. I think it, yeah, I think they're releasing it for Friday the thirteenth on VOD. Cool. All right, let's move on to our undisputed classic for reasons only Twitter knows about. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson. So allow me to set the scene here. So somebody, a millennial, I guess it was, on Twitter uh, posted a thing where they said that uh, that they didn't recognize that this the person in this the person in the picture was Robert Redford, and it's a it's a meme. So everybody, but the the boomers immediately got triggered. How do you know what? Jer- how do you not know what Jeremiah Johnson is? Jeremiah Johnson, Jeremiah Johnson. It's like no, 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 no. They, it's not that they didn't recognize Jeremiah Johnson. It's that they didn't recognize Robert Redford with a beard in the meme because this picture of him smiling over his shoulder and and the camera pushing in on his face is, is an approval meme. It's a meme that you post when you approve of something that somebody says, you post that meme of that guy smiling over his shoulder. That's who he didn't recognize. I'm betting they didn't even have any, if they didn't know that was Robert Redford, they certainly don't know what Jeremiah Johnson is. <laughs> I'm glad you went there because I was a little worried. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I, I had never heard of Jeremiah Johnson until you said, let's make it the classic. And I was like, all right. And Have you seen the meme? You've seen the oh, meme, yeah. right? I've, and I yeah. always thought it was Mark Hamill. I think a lot of people thought it was Zach Galifianakis <laughs> with a wig. Right? That's a lot of people said that. Uh, and I just always assumed it was like, Mark Hamill in some Star Wars movie that I wasn't aware of or whatever. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but a, lo- a lot of boomers just were like, they were just apoplectic how people couldn't recognize Jeremiah Johnson. I'm like, oh, fuck. I had to explain that, uh, no, Jeremiah Johnson is, in fact, not particularly relevant 40 years later, 50 years later. It's just not. No. Uh, that's that's the, we'll talk about the movie in a second. But it, like in terms of its cultural impact, when you think of Robert Redford, you're not thinking of jeremiah johnson uh you're not even thinking of the candidate or barefoot in the park if you're thinking of robert redford you're probably thinking of uh the movie you made with uh woody harrelson and demi moore what's that the the one where they make the bet like that one comes to mind not, I'm, I'm, I'm the one you can't yeah, name <laughs> the one, one that i can't remember but yeah. <laughs> no i get but i'm point. telling you if, if people were 
Yeah. You're going to name the natu- Robert Redford. The, the, the natural. Like Paul Newman, his movies, that, you know, Butch Cassidy yeah. and The Sting and uh, like The Natural and uh, even Sneakers. I think the boomers are going to at least know yeah. that one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this Those one. Those are the relevant ones. Jeremiah Johnson is not relevant today i'm sorry it's just I, I hate to break your hearts boomers but nobody knows who jeremiah johnson is <laughs> yeah and so jeremiah johnson from 1972 uh stars robert redford as jeremiah johnson and it's uh um <laughs> somebody called it what do they call it? They compared it to the Revenant, the Revenant, but it's not like the Revenant. It's not but, a fair comparison. <laughs> he's a similar, similar idea that uh, guy goes off in the woods, but this guy goes off by himself. He just wants to be alone. He wants to trap and and uh, live off the land by himself and away from people. Uh, people didn't intrude, and he you know ends up meeting people and becoming part of their lives and then part of his and. Uh, eventually, he even finds himself a family and actually begins to settle down a little bit. And then, of course, the outside world continues to intrude upon his life and uh, and change it. And terrible things happen, and he moves on with his life again. Uh, it's a really good movie. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed uh, you know how peaceful and quiet it is. I enjoyed the bigger moments that it has, but it rel- it stays relatively serene throughout. It's it's a very kind of gentle and pleasant. movie in some ways uh even as with the, there's a lot of there's a lot of shooting and a lot of death but it's actually a very gentle movie for the most part uh, a lot of time he's just by himself and, right yeah. yeah he's got a he's got a wife and a child that he can't communicate with the kid can't talk the the wife is an indian so she native american so she can't communicate with him she doesn't speak english so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of silence and a lot of allowing a scene to play out with just looks and Redford just himself having to do much of the, the talking and explanation. And, uh, and I like how he's, I like how as a character, he's not comfortable with any of that. He's not comfortable trying to communicate with these people. Uh, and I love the, the, the growing warmth that he finds because he starts to become more of a human. He has a big arc going on, which I, I really appreciated. Uh, there's a there's a nice big character arc in this movie, and it's uh, it's I don't know why a character arc is such a throwback, but it kind of is in some ways when you think about it. When again, when you're comparing it to something like Doctor Strange, where uh, you've got a multiverse, so everything gets reset at the end and goes back to normal. Right. <laughs> it's nice to see a character have a big wide arc of a life, and that's what you get in this movie, and it's it's really impressive in that way. It's directed by Sidney Pollack, which I I've always associated Sidney Pollack with like. New York metropolitan movies, Hollywood movies, and just I did. I was surprised to see that he directed this kind of a western. It's really, it's really surprising and uh, incredibly, incredibly well made. It's a good movie. I really like it. Doesn't make it relevant today, right. but it's just, it's not like a movie that I'm going to remember for very long. But it's a very good movie to watch. I should call it the Re- relevant instead of the revenant. Uh, <laughs> I I was like. All I was doing early on was trying to think of jokes to make fun of this movie with, but as it, <laughs> but as it, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself invested, and in, in, I like it in the way that, like, uh, dances with wolves meets city slickers kind of way. It's, <laughs> it's definitely. It, it, I just remember when we finished City Slickers, which this isn't like City Slickers, but no. we were just kind of like. This is good, but it's very white, very white male. Uh, this is definitely a movie for, you know, our parents' generation, white male specifically. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a man's driving Miss Daisy or whatever. But, it, I mean, it's good. Uh, it's better than Drive Miss Daisy and, and Dance with the Wolves, for that matter. Yeah. But it's still gentle and pleasant is a great way of putting it because it's it just... I, I, but in in the best way possible. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I sound like I'm saying bad things about it, but right. Well, it's our fault for turning gentle and pleasant into a pejorative on this show. But <laughs> right. But but it's it, it's I guess a gentle and pleasant revenant's fair, I suppose. It is a as a soft touch. This movie is a relatively soft touch until until the violence becomes uh, necessary. Right, but it takes its time and. Uh, 
There's an intermission in this movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And the first like the first four minutes, I was really kind of getting pissed off because they just do the they just do a score for like the first four minutes of the movie. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why is the movie start? I thought there was something wrong. Although I heard music, <laughs> so it was just kind of like this is weird. Is it frozen? Yeah. My I know my internet right. sucks. Uh, I hear the sound. Yeah, I, it just it's it's just it's kind of cool in just the way that. Even if you were just kind of casually, if it was on your TV and you're casually doing something, it's one of those things that all of a sudden you'd be, if you can make it 30 minutes in, you're going to get caught up in it and not be mm-hmm. able to turn it off. And I, that's a pretty cool thing about this movie. And I'm glad we watched it. I, I was really, I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's a very, it's a good movie. It's better than The Candidate. It's uh, actually, you know, one of the better things I think that, uh, Robert Redford is done. Uh, you know, if, just to make a reference to something we've been kind of becoming a meme on the show is uh, my my blog, Sean at the Movies blog. Yeah. I just I just uploaded a bunch of Robert Redford reviews just in the wake of watching this movie and found out that I liked un, an unfinished life. <laughs> it's like, hey, that was a really good performance by him in a Lassa Hallstrom movie of all things. Uh, so I, I was that was a fun discovery. I'd forgotten that I liked that movie, so that keeps happening. He definitely disappears into this role more so than he does in a lot of his. You know, he in a lot of ways he's a, he's got the George Clooney thing going where he's very he plays himself a lot or a version of himself, mm-hmm. and here he really does disappear into somebody else, which. Explains why, in a, a lot of ways, the fact that you don't recognize as Robert Redford's a compliment to his performance here. Uh, I, I know a compliment it's just, to that beard for sure. That, that for, <laughs> yeah, uh, but he really does disappear into this role, and it's it's a good little fun movie. Yeah, fun's not the right word, but just a good little movie that's going to catch you off guard uh, mm-hmm. and surprise you how much you end up liking it. But I yeah, I, I, I recommend it. It's one of my favorite movies of Redford, and um, improves my opinion of him, especially after The Candidate, which I thought was <laughs> empty and not not particularly good. Uh, and and obviously, I'm uh, also not a fan of The Sting. So, yeah, take that for what you will. All right, did you watch any of the '92 movies? I know you've seen them before. Some what of them. were they? They were. Big girls don't cry; they get even. Uh, Goldie Hawn and Criss Cross, I believe she plays a stripper. The Favor, The Watch, and The Very Big Fish. Never heard of that one. One False Move and Poison Ivy. Drew Barrymore. One False Move is a great movie. I I, I remember. I believe that is that the Hughes Brothers. I think it might be the Hughes Brothers. One of the first, if not their first film, and. That's a really good one. That's a it's a it's a thriller and a crime film and uh, really well made and definitely one. That, and if I'm not mixing it up with another movie, it's actually it's, it's a really good movie to, to see. I wish I would have taken the time to watch it. Um, beyond that, uh, I've not heard of the other ones. You've seen Poison Ivy for sure, haven't you? Oh well, yeah. I've seen, okay, I've seen Poison Ivy. I mean, you were a teenager once. Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton, One False Move. Yes, that is a that is a great movie. A small town police chief awaits the arrival of a gang of killers. Huh. Billy Bob Thornton wrote it. Carl Franklin? Yeah. Carl Franklin, that's what I was trying to think of. Not the use brothers, Carl Franklin. Carl Franklin was a pretty terrific director in the in the early nineties, and I'm not sure what he's done since then, but yeah, he was. It was a he. He made. I think that was his debut feature, and he did a hell of a job with that movie. Low budget indie film, really got a lot of attention at the time. Oh yeah, he ended up doing Devil in a, in a Blue Dress, uh, Out of Time, High Crimes. What has he done lately? Mind Hunter. He's done TV. Yeah, well, I mean, making stuff. high crimes will send you into TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the third to last movie he did? <laughs> Two thousand three, Sam Cooke Legend was the last film he did. It looks like, and then he did a shit ton of TV. Hmm. The Affair, Bloodline, House of Cards, Homeland. It's a lot of big names. I'm sure they're good, but I don't. I don't watch TV. Neither do I. 
Otherwise, this would be a TV podcast. All right. Uh, that is our show. Next week, we've got Firestarter, the remake of the Drew Barrymore. Is it a classic? or It's our classic next week. But It's our classic. It's not a classic. <laughs> but We also got... The Bon Jovi song is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Bon Jovi song called Firestarter? It's a, they had a song on the soundtrack, I believe. It was uh, one of their breakthroughs. It was on the soundtrack um, to Firestarter. That I probably know the song. Runaway. I think Runaway was on the Firestarter soundtrack. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that song. Uh, Tank House, We Need to Talk, uh, and Possibly Hatching. I think that was what we think might come out this week. Uh, Hopefully. I, I really hope so. And I, I believe uh, Rebel Wilson's senior year, I believe that comes out yeah, as well. Senior year. Uh, on Netflix, right? Uh, what else? 1992, we got The Water Dance with Helen Hunt, Lethal Weapon 3, Monster in a Box. I don't know that one. Uh, but yeah, next week should be... Are you excited to watch uh, Lethal Weapon 3? I watch it like three times a year, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm a little bit ashamed. I'm have not given up on Mel Gibson. It's harder <laughs> harder for me to be turned off by his movies than it is like, say, Kevin Spacey. But I suppose mm. oh, old man racism is a little different than pedophilia. <laughs> not the alleged pedophilia. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. I'm not going to go any further. I don't want to say Cancel something. culture is a spectrum. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for bailing me out of that one <laughs> alright let's play some flick chart and then call it a night uh, Kung Fu Panda 2 Dog Day Afternoon Dog Day Afternoon yes back when Pacino was good Ocean's 12 The Man Ocean's 12 yes Commando Happy Gilmore Commando I like Happy Gilmore better but if I can't find a quarter you're gonna win <laughs> Look what I got. I hate Commando. And you hate Happy Gilmore. Uh, Commando is the winner. Almost famous, the pacifier. <laughs> it's almost famous. <laughs> the quarter agreed with that one, too. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Shitty Dune. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood. The talented Mr. Ripley, be cool. Talented Mr. Ripley. So far, these have been landslides outside of Commando and Happy Gilmore. Oh, what do we got next? Come on, Internet. Help me out here. <laughs> hmm. I had a fun thing on the blog going back to oceans for a moment. I, I was posting George Clooney reviews for his birthday and I posted a bunch of them and I started reading my oceans reviews and realized that I gave a somewhat negative review to the original oceans 11. And then when I reviewed oceans 12 and 13 and talking, so <laughs> even, even within like four years of myself, I was still forgetting what it was that I enjoyed and didn't enjoy. That's funny. <laughs> You also had a positive Ghostwriter review, which was cool. Which was what? Which was, which I thought was cool. I never saw Ghostwriter, but oh yeah, yeah, that happened too. Yes, I I wrote a positive review of, of Ghostwriter one of all things. Hey, Nicholas Cage is in it. And you just never know with him. <laughs> uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, My Fair Lady. They're both trash. Cool. Um. My fair lady. I'm kidding. I'm not. They're not trash. I'm kidding. Oh, well, I never triggered a lot of people. One. It's okay to trigger people. Friday or Father of the Bride Part Two. Oh, Friday by a lot. I went and saw Ice Cube at the the local arena here the, a couple weeks ago. How was it? As an accountant, I've been to a lot of concerts the last month, and. We had just seen Shinedown in Peoria, and they had this massive stage set up and fire and explosions, and 
It was packed, but the stage was so big there wasn't a big floor. Then I go see Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and and Warren G, and they just got a DJ, a table, some stripper poles, and them. There's no production, no nothing. Way more people. And I, all I can think about is how much money they made. Uh, ticket prices were the same. There was no production value, and people <laughs> loved it. Uh, it was good. I mean, a lot of nostalgia for me because that's right where our you know heyday of music was was that early '90s, mid '90s time. And uh, even though they're pushing sixty, it was fun. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. Pink Floyd, The Wall. Pink Floyd, The Wall. I agree. Female Prisoner, 701 Scorpion. Never heard of it. Do you care about Treasure Planet? Not particularly. All right, let's just get rid of both of them. The Goonies, Macbeth, 1971. I'm not seeing the 1971 Macbeth. I don't watch it in class, I think. Motorcycle Diaries? Yeah, Motorcycle Diaries is way better than Go- than the Goonies. I'll take your word for it. I'm not a huge Goonies fan. 2012, Tin Cup. Tin Cup. Yes. Blade Runner, Wild Hogs. Blade Runner. Sorry. Fuck Wild Hogs so much. I hate that fucking movie. Fighting with my family. I don't have to look back at an old review on that one. I can I can recall that one very vividly, how much I hate it. I actually, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this wasn't so bad. <laughs> now, I didn't like it by any means. It was just kind of my, I had to go see it. It, wasn't, was a, it just wasn't as shitty as you thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was a relative come, came to town and really wanted to see it there, a motorcycle person. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, fine. And then I was like, oh, this could have been worse. <laughs> I'm not ever going to watch it again, so uh, anyway. <laughs> Fighting with my family, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban is maybe my favorite Harry Potter movie, so I'm going with that one. I really like Fighting with my family, though, and I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but I feel like I'm wrong. Uh, I'll flip it just in case. George always goes with what's right anyway. And Harry Potter wins. Natural Born Killers, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. That's how much I hate Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Room, I Heart Huckabees. Not The Room, but Room. That's tough. That's the first really hard one for me. Room is amazing, but I I just have this thing for I Heart Huckabees that... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, nobody else does. Apparently, <laughs> I, I just, but I just adore that movie. I'm going with I Heart Huckabees. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I think that movie is fantastic. That's uh, O Russell, right? Yeah, David O Russell. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely love that movie. That was my. I didn't. I hadn't seen Three Kings till we did the podcast. So that was my introduction to David O Russell. And that movie will always have a soft spot in my heart. The room's great, but on a very traditional level, like an independent traditional level. I mean, it's an A24 movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's just something more unique and out of, outside the box with I Heart Huckabees that I'll always lean towards versus traditional. Batman and Robin, the man with the golden gun. Batman and Robin. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like when Flick Chart wastes my time. Annihilation, Beverly Hills Cop. Annihilation. Yeah. It's fun versus great, and I'm going to go with great that time. Uh, I don't care about either one of these movies. Ocean's Eleven, The Ninth Gate. Um, that's hmm. Ninth Gate actually. Ninth Gate's not a bad movie. Yeah. Even though it's directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, <laughs> again, cancel culture is a spectrum. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm gonna watch Ocean's Eleven first, but I think I, I but that's not enough. I think I'm gonna go with you at the Ninth Gate. Uh, Super Eight, Ten Thousand BC. Oh, Super Eight by a lot. Good God, did you? But did you know how? I just learned this because I, I just posted my Ten Thousand BC review on the blog, 
And that movie, as as ridiculously terrible as it is, was massively profitable. It made so much money. I was blown away how anybody, I guess foreign countries just were eager to watch this terrible movie because somehow that movie made a lot of money. I was baffled. As a kid, I, I always wanted to be a film critic because it would just seem like fun. And my brother was always like, do you know the movies you have to watch, though? <laughs> it's like, you can't just watch the good ones. you got to watch them all. <laughs> and that just reminds me of 10,000 BC. Uh, do you know what hardware is? Because I do not. I don't. I don't recognize hardware. The Hitcher, pay it forward. Oh, the Hitcher. I wish I could unleash the Hitcher on Pit Forward. Just combine those two movies and just have the Hitcher murder pay it forward. That would be great. That's my watch. I would watch that movie. Combine the two. <laughs> I'll pay it forward, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'll pay it forward to Wrecker Howard and murder everybody and pay it forward. <laughs> Let's start with you, Kevin Spacey. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie Road Trip. Road Trip. Yeah. Golden Eye, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. I agree. It's a Wonderful Life, City Lights. City Lights. Moonwalker, Rumble in the Bronx. We didn't even talk about James Bond. Why are they? Oh, wait, no, that's Moon, that's Moonraker. Sorry, that's Moonwalker. It's not even a real movie. Oh, okay. My fault. Let's uh, do it's Sleeping like with... It's like 16 minutes. That's not fair. Come on, Flick. Try to get your shit together. Sleeping with the Enemy, Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble in the Bronx. Yes. Stuck on You, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Massacre. I like that poster too. Uh, Enola Holmes. Do you know what that is? I do not. We literally talked about that on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. What was it? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to have internet issues. Uh, milk cabin fever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Milk. I. Uh, <laughs> last one. Man on fire. Electra. Man on fire. Slate. Electra on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, ooh, last one. One word, one more. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Goodfellas. Uh, um, uh, Goodfellas. I agree. All right. Our internet's completely ruined. So uh, I'll talk to everybody later. All right. <laughs> See ya. Thanks. All right. Bye.